Hi, friends. This episode contains conversations about pregnancy loss and miscarriage, which might be triggering to some. If that's you, feel free to skip this episode. Thanks, guys. To me, myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood, hosted by infertility sleuth, Millie Brooks. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. This is episode 54, and today we are going to talk to Linny Stone about recurrent pregnancy loss. Linny is a certified relationship coach with a background in therapy and has recently started opening up about her journey on social media. We are going to walk through the emotional side effects of pregnancy loss and also get Linny's advice on how to support yourself through a miscarriage. Linny is really passionate about sharing information and resources as a means to educate and empower women. So stay tuned. Before we dive into our convo with Linny, please take 30 seconds to rate, review, and subscribe to Me, Myself, and Millie on Apple Podcasts. If you're a super fan and this show has helped you cope with the realities of trying for a baby, please share your thoughts in a review under the comment section. Your words carry so much weight and helps the podcast reach a larger audience. Thanks, guys. Linny, it is so great to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. What um what do your COVID days look like right now? Well, um, we're actually in the midst of moving. Um, so I move tomorrow and Thursday, and then Those are just the two days that I'm in the process of moving, but you know how it goes after that. Um, But uh, I have a lot going on in my fertility journey, and the moving actually couldn't be at a better time because for me, it's a huge distraction. So yeah, it's like I don't have time to think about it. So the days are just going by, and before I know it, hopefully we'll be at a good place. Yeah. Um, You like go to bed, (laughs) and then the sun is up again, and you're just like going the days go by so quickly. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So I'm really happy because um, I've had many slow days during the beginning of COVID. And right now, everything's just super busy, super fast paced. And it's it's worked out because that's what I need right now. Totally. Totally. Well, thank you for taking the time to like pop on the pod today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Like I said, I love your energy. So I feel I'm in a great mood already just because I'm talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great compliment. Thank you. you. Great energy. 
Um, well, why don't we start with you giving us a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Okay, yeah. So, um, again, my name is Lenny, and I have a background in therapy. That's what I went to school for, that's my passion. Um, I'm all things therapy, um, with my specialty being in, um, marriage and family. Um, but now, um, I'm certified as a relationship coach and I do that exclusively to help, um, people who are in, um, you know, relationships and just need some support or, um, or through infertility and loss. Um, because I now have a lot of experience with that. And I think that life is the big, the best teacher. Um, so even though I went to school for certain things, um, I have found that my experiences have really been the greatest lesson. And um, I'm at a place where I'm using those tools and that knowledge to help other people in similar journeys. Wow. Wow. Wait, what did you say? Life is the great is the best educator. Yes. Life is the best teacher. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I read so many books. I did so much training. I did a lot of things and nothing could have taught me and prepared me and molded me to be the kind of compassionate person that I am now, like this journey. Um, it puts a new perspective on mental health, anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, and really challenges your relationship. No matter how great you guys are, you're going to have challenges. And this has really helped me, uh, you know, kind of test my own tools and learn from myself. And uh, it's been an interesting learning experience. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, well, walk us through your journey so far and start with when you and your husband started trying to conceive. Yeah. So my story is really, um, it was, it, none of it was, uh, planned to go the way that it has, of course, right. Who plans for this? Um, but we were really fortunate because our first pregnancy was a surprise and, um, we had just gotten engaged and, um, we're planning our wedding and it just happened. And because I have a little bit of OCD, not like diagnosed, but you know, just that little bit that we all kind of have, um, I thought, great, I don't have to worry about this. Gosh, even saying that, it's like, little did I know. I can't believe I just said that. It's crazy. I know. Oh, I At know. At one point, I really thought that. I was like, oh, great. I don't have to worry about this. It's just, it, I didn't have to stress out about tracking my ovulation and this and that. It just happened. And I was so happy. And that was just the beginning. Um shortly after, um, I was 10 weeks. So this will have a happy ending, but there's a lot of sad parts. And, um, I like to share all of it cause I just keep it real. And I want women to understand that they're not alone. And this happens to many of us. Um, I, I had a miscarriage at, uh, 10 weeks, you know, the dreaded ultrasound where things didn't go as planned. And, um, 
we ended up having a DNC and I thought uh, the DNC showed that everything was okay, which was really confusing. And it's really important for me to share that part because that was the indication for us that, okay, so everything seemed to be right with the embryo or by then the fetus, that was 10 weeks. So what happened? And shortly after the DNC, I ended up having major complications um, with lots of um, bleeding. And long story short, I ended up in the hospital and had to get two blood transfusions and a second DNC. And that's when we realized, okay, something's up. Um, that was not a normal reaction. Um, and But my, my doctor did some blood work. I don't think she tested me for what we later went on to find out that I have APS, um, antiphospholipid syndrome. Um, she, you know, there's so many things I can test you for. And at that point, because it was just the first miscarriage, and I hate using that word just in that way, but, um, you know, so many times it happens because of other issues. And so we thought this was just an, an unfortunate event and next time we'll be better. Um, and so she tested me for some things, didn't test me for that and said to me, next time should be fine. You know, there was no reason that we can find that this happened and I'm sorry you went through it, but next time should be fine. And we were in the middle of planning a wedding. So we, um, decided to wait, um, to finish that and, and then try again. And then we actually got pregnant on our wedding. Um, on your wedding night on our wedding night. Yeah. Well, our wedding week, because um, we were we had a destination wedding, so we were gone for a week with all our friends and family, and it was incredible. And I felt like, okay, this is it. You know, this is the this is the kind of payback I'm, I've been waiting for. You know, after all of the things I went through after the first loss, because it was really traumatic. I mean, to the point that I wasn't sure I wanted to ever try again. You know, because it was just so scary you know, being hospitalized like that and losing so much blood. And, you know, you're just not prepared for that. You never go into, that's, that was my first pregnancy. And that just wasn't when I was expecting. So I was, I was a little traumatized and it took some time. And then when I got pregnant the second time and it was our wedding, it was just like, okay, this is great. Things are working out now, you know, this is going to be it. And, um, I went on to have, uh, two, Miss, miss, uh, two miscarriages after that. So I've had a total of three now and it's been almost two years in the journey and we've done lots of tests and we've come to find out that, um, I have, so antiphospholipid syndrome, APS, um, I have low progesterone, which is important for me to talk about because many times women have this and, um, it's not to say that it's an easy fix, but um, it's something that can definitely support your pregnancy. And a lot of women don't know that they have low progesterone. Um, and I wonder now, now that I know that I have low progesterone, if it could, it could, if things could have gone differently, you know, um, and it is an easy fix in that all you have to do is take the progesterone and that helps your hormones kind of balance on their own until you start to produce it on your own. Um, so it's unfortunate that that happened, but, and then I have low AMH, um, anti-malarian hormone. So, um, 
they've diagnosed me with something called uh, diminished ovarian reserve. I'm only, I just turned 34 this month in September and I have way less eggs than I'm supposed to for my age. Didn't expect that. Um, and uh, what else? <laughs> and I'm diagnosed with recurrent pregnancy loss. So when you have more than two miscarriages, it's called recurrent pregnancy loss. And uh, I always say this, um, it's like very, very rare. you like one miscarriage is common. It happens, but more than two is not. It's less than 1% in the population of women will experience that many miscarriages. So for women who are having that issue, um, definitely seek support, advocate for yourself because that's not common. Um, something's going on. Can we go back to your diagnoses? Um, yeah, absolutely. To the APS. I've actually never heard of that before. Can mm. you unpack that for me a little bit? Yeah, I would love to, because I think a lot of women have this problem. Um, it's not super rare. It's not super common. But after I have posted about it, it's been amazing how many women have contacted me saying I found out I had this problem or things that I said helped them figure out, hey, I kind of went through something like that too. I'm going to ask my doctor to test me for it. And then they found out that they had it. Um, and it's one of those things that if you have it and you don't know, it can cause huge complications. But if you have it and you do know, there's a, there's a solution to the problem. So APS is antiphospholipid syndrome, and what happens is I have coagulation issues in my blood. And one of the indicators for this, I'm not a doctor, I have to say that in advance, um, but based on my experience and my research and conversations I've had with professionals, um, many times women, will, women who have this might notice a, a very large amount of clots in their period. Mm. So I had uh, my whole life very heavy bleeding and clots, um, and like it would come out like a clunk, and then I'd have an accident. You know, like the mortified moment of everyone can see that you are on your period <laughs> um, because that was, uh, you know, how much I was bleeding, and so I didn't know any better. I thought okay, um, I, it's so funny. I, I've said this to a few people now and it's just like, it's crazy to, to see how much we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually thought that it meant like the, the clotting. I didn't think it was clotting. I thought it was part of my lining. And I thought, oh, I have thick lining. That's great. That's what I would assume. I was, <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, oh, yeah, of course this isn't a steady stream. You know, it comes down mm -hmm. blood clots. It, it mm -hmm. kaputs, you know? Yeah. So I had, so I thought it was a sign that I had good thick lining and I thought, oh, the day I get pregnant, I'm going to have a good, you know, cushy little lining for my baby. Um, little did I know that it meant that I had coagulation and blood stagnation. And so what happens is, um, one of my friends who's a surgeon, um, explained it beautifully to me. Think of your veins like, um, a stir strip. You know, the, the stir that you use for coffee? Yes. And, okay. So when you're pregnant um, during the first trimester, the veins um, and blood vessels that are used to transport the blood and therefore nutrients and oxygen to your baby is the size of like a stir strip, right? 
Sir Straw. Um, just as an example, right? I'm not, it's not the exact measurement, but. And when you have APS, because your blood is clotting, it's difficult for that blood to get through to the baby. As you progress through your pregnancy, that stir straw turn, gets bigger, more enlarged, like a normal straw. And then even if you do have some coagulation issues, it's still easier for the blood to go through. So I've had three first trimester miscarriages, um, and there could be many reasons for that. But the one that the first one that made it to 10 weeks, I really feel like it was because of the APS. And so women who have this problem, there's a protocol. And so if you find that you have this, there's a solution, 81 milligrams of baby aspirin while you're trying. And then once you have a confirmed pregnancy, you start on either um, blood thinners, steroids, um, either Lovenox or heparin. And you and your doctor decide which one's better. Lovenox is one shot a day. Heparin is two shots a day. Um, so some people, you know, make that decision based on that. Um, but they don't start you on that until you have reached about five weeks and you have a um, confirmed pregnancy. And what that means is they've confirmed that your baby has implanted in the correct place because God forbid you're on blood thinners before that. And if something were to go wrong, like an ectopic pregnancy, now you have other issues you have to deal with in order to have surgery and things like that. Cause you've been on blood thinners. So well, that's really helpful in case like people are in case anybody is struggling with APS, definitely check in with your doctor about that stuff. That yeah, sounds absolutely. like those are really good questions to ask. Yeah, absolutely. And for women who, uh, there's some controversy between whether you should start while you're trying or, or whether you should start, um, with the, the blood thinners, um, once you have a positive pregnancy test or once you have a, uh, you know, your five week ultrasound, that's a personal decision you have to make with your doctor. Um, sometimes if you're with a high risk doctor, they might help you through that, but, um, there are risks. And so it's important to talk to your doctor about that and make that decision. It, you can't go off of what anyone else has done. It's really based on your body and, and you have to work with your doctor. A hundred percent. I, um, so bring us up to speed right now. You are, in the middle of treatment? Yes. So uh, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> and where we're at now is this is our third cycle of trying um, after a break. Um, after my last loss, my third miscarriage, I waited about four months and read the book, It Starts With the Egg. And um, worked with my team, my RE, OBGYN, acupuncturist, perinatologist, <laughs> um, to figure out what supplements and milligrams that I needed. Um, and so based on that book and, and that help, I um, took the, the following four months to do everything I could to boost my egg quality um, because we're not sure if my miscarriages have had something to do with egg quality. And there's no real way of knowing that and unless you have, you do IVF. Um, so I um, 
tried for two months naturally and it didn't work out. And, you know, over the last few months, we realized I have diminished ovarian reserve, which means the clock is really ticking for me. And um, so my doctor decided, uh, or we decided together that I would be a good candidate for a medicated cycle. So this Sunday was my last day of Clomid, first time ever taking any fertility meds, uh, in hopes of producing more follicles and boosting my egg quality and just raising my chances of getting pregnant because I don't have, you know, a year to wait. You know, we have to make decisions. So hopefully where I'm at is that we're hoping that I get pregnant before the end of this year. And if that doesn't work out, um, then we're going to look into IVF, um, or at least like freezing some eggs. Um, so, uh, actually have an ultrasound tomorrow, um, to see how my follicles are doing after the uh, medicated cycle. And I'm really hoping that we have some good news. So that's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Well, I, we're all pulling for you and hoping Thank for you. Um, you. and why don't we go into a kind of a a separate offshoot of what we were talking about? Um, what were people's reactions when you started telling them that you had these miscarriages? Any responses that were very triggering? Oh, absolutely. And I am so glad you asked me this question because I wanted to touch on the post. I was watching your stories today and you talked about the post um, that you said, uh, not everything happens for a reason. <laughs> oh that man, that said? ruffled some feathers. <laughs> people, people were taking that to the streets. They were, like, <laughs> they were like, I thought I was going to open my front door and see a bunch of people with pitchforks out there. <laughs> like, oh, my oh no, people are going to, they were, there was a lot of, um, a lot of people that, well, not a lot. Like there's just a small percentage of folks out there who have very strong, um, strong beliefs that things do happen for a reason and somebody is orchestrating all of this stuff. And, um, that doesn't totally work for me. Right. Well, um, I am respectful of all beliefs, right? And I understand that many times for some people, it helps to find purpose in the things that happen to us. And, so for me, I would kind of change the wording to that, right? I would say in my life, it's been more of this has had a purpose rather than this has had a reason. Um, like I've, oh, yeah. I've been able to drive a purpose from it. Right, you know? right. I think I'm all for finding finding some meaning and purpose because mm -hmm. I think that can be healing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But to say that like, I don't know, that there's this grand scheme that like somebody is just sort of pushing these buttons and that happens to you and this happens to you and this hap you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can subscribe to that. Yeah. I mean, if that, that works for some people and if that works for them, then that's great, you know, because at the end of the day, you have to do what works for you. And if that makes you feel better, then great. You go with that. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, for me, <laughs> I've gone through this three times now, 
you know? And um, I've heard that from people who had the best of intentions, you know, because it's always said with the best of intentions. And that's something I always talk about. When people say things to you, you always have to remember their intentions. Um, there are so many things that people say that, and they, they mean the best, but it, it can just be so hurtful. And unfortunately, after loss or infertility, everything happens for a reason can be really painful um, because it just takes you into the abyss of, well, what does that mean and why? And did I do it? Did I do something? Am I to blame? You know, could I have done something different then? Um, I mean, it just drives you crazy. <laughs> and so many people, the reason that that just hit home for me, your, your post is because that was probably the number one thing people said to me. And at first it was like, okay, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And after a while I was like, no, <laughs> stop saying that to me. <laughs> I had to speak up. <laughs> you know, I had to start telling people, no, I don't want to hear that. Even if that is the reason I can't handle hearing that right now, you know? Um, and so I started to tell people what I did need from them. I would tell them that, you know, I just want you to listen. I don't need you to tell me anything because there's nothing you can say. Just listen. And that's a big thing. I think that's a big one. Yeah. Like just need, you just sometimes need a witness. You just need a Absolutely. pair of ears, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's a very normal and beautiful thing when people try to help, you know, they want to fix you and they want to find reasons or uh, give you advice. No, I and don't. I don't think it's beautiful. <laughs> I'm bitter. I'm such a bitter bitch. I just, <laughs> I mean, I I think that like I think it's true. I think there is some beauty in people wanting to help others, but I think a lot of it comes from ignorance too. You know, and and sharing not knowing, the yeah, not knowing. yeah, yeah, not knowing. And I think our society isn't comfortable with other people feeling uncomfortable too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, and I think that like, it's important, like you said, to share what you need from people. Yes. Yeah. So it's all new to us and to the people around us and we're learning together and it's okay to say, you know, I don't want to hear that. Thank you. I know you mean well, but that doesn't work for me. It doesn't make me feel any better. Um, or I had to have conversations with like the closest people in my life and say, um, stop trying to fix me. You know, like I had someone that I care about very deeply, family member, blood related, <laughs> very close. And she meant the absolute best and was trying to fix me, you know, like, well, it's okay. And this is going to make you better. And you're going to learn from it and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, I'm in pain right now. Just stop trying to make me feel anything else. Let me feel my pain, validate my feelings, say whatever you're feeling right now, it's okay to feel that, you know, in her desperation of trying to make me feel better. She wasn't allowing me to feel what I needed to feel in that moment, which was just grief and sadness. And you have to face those feelings before you can let them go and move on. Or better yet, I like using the term carry on, right? But um, yeah, I think, I think the best thing people can say to you is really, 
I don't know what to say. I mm. really don't. I don't mm. know what to say, but I'm happy to be here for you and to help you however I can and to just hear you out and guide me. You know, I don't know what to do. This is new to me, but I want to be here for you. So guide me. If you can, tell me what you need or don't need, you know, um, but I'm in your corner and I, I'm here for you. And, I think you know, I think that's really powerful. I think it's powerful to say that you don't know what to say. Yeah, it's okay. Instead of, in, instead of just filling the space mm-hmm. and the silence mm-hmm. with with words to try to make your own self feel more comfortable. Um, And I, I think it also is our job as people on the receiving end, like you said, to be super specific about what we need. Do we need somebody to bring us a coffee? Do Mm -hmm. we need somebody to, you know, just sit with us and watch a movie, you know, like do it. What, like, as specific as we can get, I think that's helpful for people because if we go back to the idea that people really do want to be helpful, then they'll do that stuff if they if they truly do want to be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and different, we all have different needs, right? So for instance, I mentioned something like, uh, after my losses and I started to talk about it on social media, my friends, of course, saw it. And I was specific. I, I didn't say it, um, you know, to them, but I was just putting the information out there, like things that you could do to help somebody. And I saw that my friends, they were watching because when Mother's Day came around, I got messages of, I'm thinking of you. And I had written about that. You know, I had written something. I had a post that said something like, you know, when Mother's Day comes around, don't forget the women who have gone through these things. And, and you, you're not, you don't have to say Happy Mother's Day, but you can say, hey, I'm just thinking about you today. And that just makes you feel like you're not invisible on that day. You know, like you're not yeah. being ignored. Like people don't know how to approach you and it's kind of awkward. It just gives you a place of I'm, I'm seen. I'm, they may not understand me, but they see me and they're trying. And that means the world, just knowing someone's trying you know, and, and that's what I needed. And I've heard people, you know, like I have a friend who said something about she received flowers and she didn't like that she received flowers because for her, it just triggered something else, you know, and I get that. And, but people don't know and they have, you know, they're trying. So it is best to, this is where you start to really advocate for yourself, you know, um, with that, with your friends and family. And then hopefully that, um, spills over into with your medical team and things like that. But yeah, that's where it starts. Um, that's where you start to really speak up for yourself with, with your circle. How can we as a collective society be better support systems for people going through infertility and loss? Um, I often talk about the fact that when somebody passes, um, it's very much recognized, right? If you lose a loved one, um, a parent, sibling, spouse, everybody recognizes that and shows you support in one way or another. But when you go through something like a miscarriage or a failed transfer, which some people feels like that a loss, um, 
you kind of hear crickets because people don't know how to respond. And even with death, many people don't know how to respond because it's not something we deal with daily. So we're just not prepared for it. You know, we don't know, we're not familiar with the feelings and those conversations and it's foreign territory. So a lot of people just kind of freeze. They don't know what to do. Um, and so I think it's important to talk about it. And I know that that sounds so simple, but this has been a very taboo topic for many, many, many years. And we need to spread awareness, normalize the conversations. Um, and that doesn't mean that you go on social media and open an account and tell everybody your business with infertility or loss. That's not for everybody. But it means that you have that conversation with people that you trust. You know, it, it was amazing to see in my circle how many people struggle with infertility or loss um, that I had no idea. You know, someone, everyone I knew, knew somebody who's gone through something like this. Um, and I just didn't know because people don't talk about it, you know. Um, so we need to make it okay to talk about. Uh, many doctors yeah, even we have say. To, we have to make it safe, you know. Yeah. People got to feel safe to be able to open, open up and share. And I think that's where another layer of the trauma comes in, too is because they just don't feel like the environment is safe to share. Like they're either going to be judged, they're going to be criticized, they're going to be tried to, they will be shamed for what they didn't do, that kind of stuff. Well, and that's why it's really important to um, seek support systems. So it's a lot to ask of someone in your circle of family or friends that's never been through something like this to know what to do and how to do it. Um, it's something that they're not familiar with and, and uh, they just don't know what to do. You know, it, it just, it is what it is. Uh, even for us, you know, I've, it's been a learning experience for me to know what to say and how to respond to the women that contact me because I want to be very mindful of how I respond to them. Um, so, it's so important to find a support system and there's online support systems, Facebook support systems. I mean, if you start to dig, you'll find that there are many virtual sites where you can meet women that um, understand you and really empathize with you and just get it. And, the, and there's so much um, relief when you find that, when you find people who don't try to say anything to make you feel better, just kind of, I mean, they do, but you know, they, they're not trying to fix you. They're, they're there to say, yeah, I get it. I know exactly what you mean. And that, that just, it validates you and it makes you feel, um, supported because one of the worst parts about this is the loneliness. You just, when it all begins before you tell anybody, you feel lonely. You feel it happens to many, many women, but you truly feel like you're the only one it's happened to. That's what it feels like. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What makes your blood boil about infertility and loss? Uh, what makes my blood boil? <laughs> <laughs> and just unleash the beast, Linny. Don't like, <laughs> don't feel like you have to, um, you know, carefully craft. Um, 
I th- well, one of the biggest things for me is the misconception between stress and infertility, because that's a big one that I get. People ask me, are you stressed? You know, people not in the community, are you stressed? Um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm stressed because of all the infertility issues I'm dealing with. Not because I, you know, the stress didn't cause the infertility. It's the opposite. Um, and I'm like, I should know, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, and so trying, I don't know who said it somewhere, you know, Iago's ago and it's just stuck around. And now everybody thinks, I think what's happened is we've heard stories of women who were like freaking out and obsessing over it. And then they were going to adopt or something and, Oh, they got pregnant that same month. And who knew, you know, as soon as they stopped trying, it happened. And I'm like, great, that's amazing. But that's also not a coincidence. It could have been 10 years that they were at it and trial and error. And it just so happened that at that timing, (laughs) things fell into place. Um, not necessarily because of stress. And by no means am I trying to undermine the power of stress because yes, stress is not good for you in general, no matter what, but it doesn't cause infertility. Infertility is a medical diagnosis. Um, I mean, I have several things that create problems with maintaining a pregnancy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I I joke with my husband, it kind of sucks to say this, but I've told him like, honey, if we were a king, like in, you know, medieval times, I would be barren. I wouldn't be able to give you children. Like, do you, do you realize that? And he's like, stop thinking that way. But I'm like, but it's true. Do you realize like if we were born in a different time, I wouldn't be able to do this. I know. I think about that too. Like if I was, um, you know, in the 1600s, you know, mm-hmm. with a bonnet, just like sweeping my front porch. <laughs> That's how I see myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I'm in a castle. No, girl, I'm in a castle <laughs> with the oh, king. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely, yeah. I'm definitely out there with with the workhorses. <laughs> um, you know, shoveling manure. But um, I was like, I would, I think to myself, how would we find a child? And like, oh. You know, we would we would be dressing our chickens up in in, <laughs> in little peasant clothes. You know, it's um, yeah. I think there's a part of me that does, and and those you know drifting off into those thoughts help me to be grateful for where science is today and um, the medical advances that we are able to. To, to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's been a, um, it's been a challenge for me to accept that I need this type of support. I battled it for a long time, which is why I did the natural things. I, I tend to lead a pretty holistic life and it was really hard for me to get to the point of, okay, I'm going to take fertility meds. Um, but I've switched that mindset to, I'm so grateful I have this as an option. Um, like I'm blessed that I live in a time where this is an option, you know, and it's a, it's a medical issue. You know, if I had diabetes, I would be getting insulin. If I had cancer, I would be getting chemo. You know, I, I have a problem. I need medical support. And so I'm doing it. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's one. So the stress, um, you know, and people's misconception of how that affects infertility and then also, um, the silence, you know, that 
that so many people suffer in silence. It's it's not that it makes my blood boil, but it just makes me sad, you know, because there's so many of us. And it's just unbelievable to me that as many as there are, that we do this alone sometimes. You know, I yeah. I know women um, in this community who are vocal now, but for many, many years said nothing. I mean, it took me time to do that. And I think, wow, how did you do that? You know, how did you, what was your life like? Like, how did you carry that weight all by yourself? Because mm. it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. You know, and so my heart just hurts for all the women that just feel like they can't talk to anybody and, and go to events, you know, pre-COVID or whatever, where they just pretend like everything's fine and put on their brave face and no one has any idea that they're in the midst of the greatest battle of their life, you know? Yeah. 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 I want to help fix that. And that's why I talk about it. I, you know, even it's, it's just my little platform, but I use it to spread awareness and just make it normal to talk about these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that like small changes, like one or few, one or two people talking about it who have friends who are not infertile, like that can make, those can make massive changes in conversations, you know? Um, anything you wish you knew before you started all of this? Oh yeah. (laughs) So many things. So, so many things. Um, so we're almost at two years now of being on this roller coaster and I've just recently realized this. Um, it took me this long and I wish I would have known this from the get go. And I hope that if there's anyone that listens to this at the beginning of their journey, they hear it. Um, I did not realize and I was not prepared for how much of a trial and error this can be. I really thought that, you know, you figure it out, you take something and it fixes it. And I didn't, I didn't know that it was going to take so long um, and that I was going to have to try this and try that and change milligrams. And now you have to add this and, oh, we forgot that. And actually your body's not responding to that. We're going to take that away, you know? Um, and I think if you know that, if you, if you, that's where me and my husband are at right now, that's the conversation right now. Okay. It's trial and error. Even though we just started our medicated cycle, we started with 50 milligrams because she was scared of giving me triplets. Um, and so she said, let's see how your body responds with this first trial. And if you don't get pregnant, we'll go up to a hundred and take it from there. And so, um, you know, we talked about it and, you know, we we both just understand, okay, so this is trial and error. We have to, we have to see how it goes. Um, had I known that it just would have made it a little, I would have been more patient, I think, you know? I mean, it's hard to be patient through this, but it would have mentally prepared me for this takes time sometimes. And and sometimes you just got to work at it until you figure it out. But so many women in this community um, constantly empower me with their stories because you realize that it's trial and error, but eventually many times you you do figure it out and then it's all worth it, you know, and it's just a distant memory, everything that you went through. Absolutely. To an extent, of course. Absolutely. Don't count the days too. Like don't, don't just sit there and, um, watch the weeks go by, you know, it's, um, I, you know, the trial and error thing is so true. 
You know, you it, it it is like going back to the drawing board, trying something new. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, what are we going to change up next time? You know, and working with your doctor on a new game plan. You know, yeah. I think that's really important. And I think it can also make the disappointment easier to get through sometimes. Yeah. So I got pregnant the first three times very easily. The first time that I tried basically, and I was used to that. And then we had the break and tried again and it didn't happen. And then a second cycle and it didn't happen. And, uh, those, those two were, you know, they kind of knocked me off my feet because I wasn't prepared for that, you know, because my pattern was that I had an, an easy time getting pregnant. And, um, so that's what I always thought. And when, now that it's been, this is our third cycle, it's different. And I wasn't prepared for that. Um, so I'm at a place where I'm just, I'm hoping it happens and, um, I'm not putting so much pressure on, oh, it's going to happen this cycle. You know, uh, I'm just every cycle that it doesn't work out. I tell myself, okay, well, this is one more cycle of more supplements of more preparation, um, to get my body that much more ready for when it does happen. Um, I'm just, you know, I, I kind of compare it to like training for a marathon, you know, I'm training for a marathon and they kind of extended when the marathon's going to be. So now I'm just like, Oh, okay. So one more month of preparing, you know, and I'll just be more ready when it happens. That's where I try to be at least, you know, what suggestions do you have for women, um, who are going through something similar? Um, don't punish yourself. Don't punish yourself. It's not your fault. Uh, nothing that you did caused this. And, you know, if there was something that now you know that you wish you would have known then, it's not your fault that you didn't know. So don't punish yourself. It's unfair to do that. And we do. We do that to ourselves in this. You know, you might put everything under the microscope. What did I do? What could I have done different? Um, and you just have to um, forgive, forgive all of that. And and if you've put yourself, you know, some women, I've heard women say, I'm having a hard time enjoying my pregnancy now and I feel bad and it's been, you know, four months and I'm having a hard time letting go of what's happened. And I always say, well, tomorrow's a new day, you know, tomorrow you can change that. And don't continue to punish yourself for, but I wasted the four months focus on, okay, but now I have X amount of time ahead of me and I'm going to focus on making the most out of that. Um, and the other thing is to, um, really enjoy it. You know, you deserve to enjoy it. It's been a struggle. You, all of, This is all a journey and it's hard. And when you finally get to that place where you're going, you deserve to enjoy it. So allow yourself to do that, to take a deep breath and be present, you know, just take things day by day, step by step, cross each bridge as you get there, try not to overthink and enjoy it. Yeah, beautiful. 
Um, how can people keep up with you and your story? Um, so I share very openly on Instagram. Um, my handle is linspired.living. So the word inspired with an L in front of it, like because of Linny. So linspired.living. And there's a, um, there's a, what is it called? The little handle thing, uh, the link. There's a link to my website. Um, I have a lot of resources on there, but I will be adding more. Um, and also on my Instagram page, I have, um, I do lives weekly with people in the community to spread, um, to share resources and information, uh, and just have these conversations and make it normal to talk about. Um, so I always, uh, give women the opportunity to ask me questions so that I can ask the professionals about it. And then I address it on the lives, um, I'm trying to figure out a way to convert that into a podcast and make it easier for people to listen to. Um, but yeah, and I'm always happy to answer any questions. Um, you can DM me on Instagram or send me an email. My link is on my website and it might take me time to respond because I get a lot of messages, but I always, always, always respond. It's everybody that messages me matters to me and that's important to me to make them feel acknowledged. So I always get back to people. Thank you so much, Linny. This has just been such a treat. Um, I totally appreciate you sharing your story and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. I truly hope that, uh, you know, we, we all just make it a little bit uh, easier on ourselves. You know, this journey's hard. Um, I don't think that there's any escaping the fact that it's hard, but there are things that we can do to make it just a little bit easier. So whether that's finding a support system or listening to things like this that just make you feel like, okay, I'm not the only one, um, please do it. Don't, don't make yourself go through this alone longer than you have to. Um, it's already lonely as it is, you know, don't, don't do that to yourself. And, um, you know, I just, I hope whoever listens to this, feels comforted and, and just a little bit lighter. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lenny, we will be in touch. Yes, thank you Have so much. Have a fabulous rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week. Bye.